0: Hi, this is Tony Ruggiero, and you're listening to the Tour Coach podcast. Well, we're rolling into fall here on the Tour Coach. And for the fall, just like we've been doing for the last couple of years here on the Tour Coach, I'm going to be bringing you lots of chats, interviews, roundtable discussions on what we do, how we do it, from players to coaches to caddies, students. All of this comes from my travels that are on tour or to Old Palm or from here in Mobile or wherever it is I go around this country, around the world, teaching and coaching at the game of golf that I love. So hopefully, if you listen, you're going to like what you hear. There's there's lots and lots of info and content coming your way that I think are going to help all of you understand and play the game even better or or coach the game we've got so many coaches that listen to this tour coach podcast so appreciate all of you that have gone along with me on this journey for the tour coach i didn't necessarily know where i was going with it when i started this when the do sweepers radio show ended on xm serious but i can tell you that has given me so much freedom and creativity to be able to talk a little more and a little more in depth and bring all of you a behind the scenes, inside the ropes look at what me and my team do and the people that we associate with it, and how you can use us as a resource to help you get better at the game of golf. Look, and if you like what you hear on the tour coach, also make sure you check out our pro work video series, which is available for you on YouTube and my YouTube channel. If you just go on YouTube and type in pro work, It'll pull up the episodes that are out there. Some really, really great stuff that takes you behind the scenes and inside the ropes. And before I let you go to the tour coach, special thanks to my sponsors that have all been with me for such a long time. on Golf, been with them over 20 years. Can't find anybody better in the equipment side of the world. Bushnell Golf, such a big part of what we're doing with Pro Work and what I do day to day, especially with the Launch Pro. Vineyard Vines, Ian and Shep, Amber and the folks there. Always keep me looking great. We've been such great partners for a good long time. And lastly, McConnell Automotive uh, here in Mobile, Alabama. Mitch McConnell and the gang. There's nobody that has supported me longer. I mean, they're unbelievable. And the folks at Buick GMC for supporting the Dew Sweepers Radio Show, as well as the Tour Coach, and as well as Pro Work. So check out McConnell Automotive and Buick GMC. And lastly... My friend Blaine Stokely and Stokely's Midtown Garden Express here in Mobile. Those folks keep the Dew Sweepers and keep the Pro Work and the Tour Coach and all of our content alive and well for all of you that love the game and want to learn. Enjoy the Tour Coach podcast, which is coming your way right now. All right, so here on the Tour Coach from glamorous Jackson, Mississippi at a home two suites. I'm doing this for those of you that think that uh, all I do is stay at the best places in the world. But, uh, anyway, sitting down here with Derek Dominski. Uh, if you're on Instagram, he is from golf, better Tucson. That's how I actually first found him. He's, he's got a shit ton of followers and, uh, (laughs) he is a short game wizard. Um, I've been fascinated following him. He's done a little, some work with Andy Ogletree, who I spent a bunch of time with. So I've heard some great things. Um, Derek, thanks for sitting in. Um, on this monday evening here uh, appreciate you taking the time and man this is gonna be fun i've been looking forward to doing this
1: uh yeah tony i'm a big fan of you and what you do i love following you uh, and all your players so yeah i'm excited let's dive in
0: yeah so let, all right so first of all i always I, I learn a lot about people by like like how the hell did you get to doing what you're doing right yes you know like how did you get to be in golf better tucson guy
1: yeah, that's, a, that's a, a great question, right? And it, it, that could take a, a night in itself. But I would say uh, I can go you know, get some family... more wine
0: from the caddies if we need
1: it. <laughs> hey, you know what? If, if that's what it takes, uh, you go ahead. <laughs> but uh, my, my, I come from a great family. Uh, my dad kind of got me into the game young and would always do other sports. Uh, but then in, in middle school and high school... Uh, I got to be on the best team in Minnesota, and they really dragged me along. So I was kind of the sixth guy on really the number one team in the state. So they really kind of motivated me and really then how I got on that team uh, because you had to shoot kind of mid-70s, mid to low-70s in high school. Was The first book I got was the Dave Pell's Short Game Bible, and that's (laughs) in eighth grade, I get this, you know, 600-page book and I just kind of dive in i I, I understood that hey i 'm not i 'm not the biggest guy, and I just got to get better around the greens so really we, we played this course as well with really tiny greens, okay, so they were so difficult to hit, and there would be often times where i 'd get to i 'd miss every green and get up and down nine times and shoot even par, so that was kind of my calling card, my passion. And I do teach all areas of the game, but short game is by far kind of my favorite. It's right. my Ph.D., if you would. It's it's kind of the area I like to dive into the most.
0: I think that's cool. I, and I tell people that I, you may not have heard the story, but you'll like this based on what you just said is I was a, yeah. when I really fell in love with the game. I was already you know, I was playing at a small school in San Antonio, Texas. St. Mary's University, and they used to hold the Texas Open at Oak Hills, old House golf course. Still, I went back there yeah. this past week, still one of my favorite places. And I grew up nice. a big Crenshaw fan, okay? Mm. And he it was the Texas Open back then, and obviously back then, if he was playing in a group, and this is 89 or 90, I think it's the fall of 89, but maybe the fall of 90. Mm-hmm. And I watched him. He played nine holes with Mark – the nine I watched was with – Uh, Steve Elkington and Mark Brooks, which would all be Texas legends, right? Elkington from University of Houston. And I'm probably off a little bit on the numbers. Nobody persecute me on this. But, like, (laughs) he hit one green and shot two under. Wow. On the night, right? You know, Elkington's striping it. Brooks is hitting it, you know. Like, I mean, like I remember on five, the par five, like he drop kicks it. You know, kind of then hits one up there, wedge, (laughs) chip pitches it up. Right now, it's like, man, there's a lot of ways to play this game.
1: Yes, exactly. Right? Right? Exactly. And I
0: I think in this day and age where we have all this technology and we've got all, and every swing you see on Instagram looks perfect. Mm -hmm. Like, we lose sight of the fact that, like, man, you still got to figure out how to get the
1: damn thing in the hole. Exactly. That's... And, and for myself, and I know you see it, um, we, we work with a lot of players that they, they really hit it good and they have mm-hmm. all these aspects that technically are very sound. And then you see those unique players and it's like, man, there's, there's nothing that stands out about that guy, but he, he just scores. He gets that ball in the hole. And, you know, the short game, I like I like that part of it. You're kind of close to that finish line. You're close to the hole uh to where you can kind of hit it up there and really you know you can eliminate one shot you can really turn three shots into two and uh, you know i love teaching that part of the game
0: now did you have some i'm always curious by people's mentors like where who did you learn from or if you didn't it's, yeah i mean obviously everybody comes up different but like you know obviously you as you said your phd is in short game the stuff i follow it's been in short game mm-hmm. like where obviously we heard about in minnesota you know, so forth, like, but where have you, how did you start developing your knowledge? You know, mm-hmm. did you get mentored by anybody? Like how, how did that happen?
1: Yeah. So in Minnesota, uh, just growing up, I had the greatest golf professional of all time, Steve Fessler. He's like my golf dad, really mm-hmm. close. And he kind of took me up in the business. I started to work for him and that's really what kind of got me into the golf business is I worked a couple jobs, in some like Target factories and just some summer jobs. I was like, man, if I have to do this, I, <laughs> I don't know what I would do. So I've got to find something I like. So that really is what got me into golf and then really started to get into teaching. And I really love people. I love connecting with people. We have a great time on the lesson T as I know you guys do. So really getting connected with people and then finding really that, that I really enjoy this short game area. There's so many great, full swing coaches out there. And, and again, I love teaching it, but mm-hmm. if, if, if I get some players and they have some high-level issues, I'm like, hey, go see these guys. Go see those guys. But when it comes to short game, again, through really my own research, uh, a lot of it through just watching a lot of players. Um, I've learned quite a bit from, like, a guy like James Ridyard. Um, but just, like, studying a lot through myself, exploring some myself, studying a lot of the short game greats. So if you see a lot of what the shirking greats do, like the Luke Donalds, the Sevies, and kind of how they move, and kind of understand that in some regards it's almost the anti-ball striker. And I work with a lot of these college kids coming up. You know, even a little bit with Andy, they have so many of these ball striking tendencies to to somewhat speed the ball up. Mm-hmm. And I want to give them skills and really shots. We don't we don't always have to change technique. We can teach a few shots, and that can awaken some things to just help them slow the ball down and get some of the results they're looking for.
0: That's pretty interesting. And I, and I like that concept of, you know, through most of the game, we're trying to speed the ball up, obviously. Right. Yes. Um, yes. and, 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 and every year it's more so that way, whether we want to admit it oh. or whether the USGA says it or not, <laughs> yes. that's what we're doing. Right. Yes. Um, but around the green, you're trying to slow it down, you know, yes. and, and for my, and I'm curious about your, like, we got a couple ways to do that. One is loft, And one is Mm -hmm. spin. That's kind of the ways Mm -hmm. I figure it. Right? What are your thoughts? Like, how do we slow the ball down for people?
1: Yeah, and I think uh, again, working with a lot of college kids, and I know you see it. These kids, you know, the the tour is fast, but man, you see these college kids, Mm -hmm. and they're they're creating so much speed. So really, uh, a lot of it has to do. And again, I'm very to the individual. I'm I'm not out there to change a lot of technique, but we're kind of showing them uh some ways to if needed somewhat reduce some shaft lean some ways to potentially add loft right because great ball strikers a lot of issues i'll fix you know very flexed wrists very shut faces very leaned handles very rotated again ways to speed it up and really somewhat doing the opposite right so i don't mind learning to release the shaft i don't mind you'll see i, I hit a lot of you know cut spin shots because they're fun But also for a lot of golfers, that's their medicine. It's kind of somewhat of the anti-ball strike by learning to release the shaft fast, by maintaining and adding some loft to the shot, kind of hitting some of these wristy fades can help offset, again, just through shot shape, can help offset some ball striking tendencies. So rather than saying, hey, we've got to extend your wrist, we've got to open the face, it's like, hey, hit, hit a wristy slice for me, see what that does hey, hit, hit some of these different shots more than getting too technical.
0: Yeah, I like hitting shots. You know, I think the more we can get in tune um, – yeah, I always tell folks too, like if kind of going back to what you said, like if you – to me, like if you go to college and like mini tours, like I think the ball – those guys probably hit the ball harder and faster yes. than guys at the PGA Tour. And then each Absolutely. level as it goes up – like, it's not a lot, so people don't yell mm-hmm. at me, but like, they slow it down a little <laughs> as it goes because they learn, like, as they get to the tour, to me, they learn to control that violence mm-hmm. or control that speed, right? And then yeah. what you said is the same. And then those guys that have the speed in reserve and they learn to slow it down around the greens various ways. And I love what mm-hmm. you said. Like, I think that the best players, and you mentioned Seve and you mentioned Luke Donald. To me, the best players, like Smiley Kaufman was one of the best short games I've ever been around that I had the opportunity to coach. Awesome. Right? Awesome. And Bill Haas was also very much the same. I thought Bill was like a genius, but they were really different. But if you talk to him about their short games, Smiley a hair more technical, but not a lot. But everything sure. was about the shot, and it was a feel. Like they would say, "Well, I try to feel like I hit this. I try to feel like I do this, right?" Yeah. Versus, like yeah. if you ask somebody, like in their full swing, "Well, I'm trying to get the wrist to do this and the face to do this, yeah. right, or whatever. Push here, whatever." But like to me, that's a a huge difference in how great players approach short game.
1: Yeah, and I think our ability as a coach is to if someone wants to get very technical, hey, I can meet you there. If someone wants to get very non-technical, I can meet you there. I, I, I'm here to help you. My number one thing as a coach is my goal is to never screw anyone up. Hmm. So we can learn. We can add shots. We can add skills without saying, hey, you've got to go down this road. It's like, no, I think you need to add, you know, this shot, and I think it'll help offset some tendencies. We can call it this shot. You can use it as needed and just see how it works. So what do you think? Like
0: if you look, uh, so here, uh, here's a game I like to play. I've had a couple yeah. of red wines, as you can tell. But so, hey, yeah, go ahead, brother. No, go ahead. So, what are some of the shots that you see that 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 some of the best players in the world, high level players, have? That college players don't have. And then, even like, you know, we get so many young teachers and so many like aspiring good players that you golf. Mm-hmm. Nobody driving around listening to me and you on this podcast or radio is not a golf mm-hmm. nut, right? They're probably yeah, I love Googling it. us for like centerfold pictures or anything. So, mm-hmm. where like those types of like 10 to what's the, when you look at the short game? Because I what I like is that you teach golfers of all skill level, like. Mm-hmm. when you look at they go from like 10 handicap to scratch to good player to sh- to tour yeah. player what do you see being the defining difference between each level and and how they approach short game
1: yeah yeah i think that's great uh, so right so with the high handicap hey we need to get predictable contact right we need to make sure we're getting a predictable result and then we can start to learn distance control as we would then go down that chain well then those kind of mid-level players well hey they start to get a better sense of distance control and contact. And then as we would work kind of to the tour player, hey, there's a couple shots that we need. We need to be good at, you know, hitting our landing spots, even if if you don't choose landing spots. I do a lot of tests down here in Tucson. And for players that choose landing spots or don't choose landing spots, if I put out targets for them to land it, just like a carnival game... (laughs) I see players who are great at hitting their spots, be great short gamers, whether they choose landing spots or not. And I've had some tour players, and they've came to me with some issues. And I've found, I say, you are very bad at hitting your spot. That's what you you know, this is why your stats are bad. And I think this is a tangible way, and I've seen it prove itself true. This is a tangible, simple practice that you can do to get better. Now, if they're struggling with contact, right? So some common issues I'll see um, with some players. And again, it's, it's, I've got this uh, great drill that I like to give all my players. If you, if you just YouTube Dominsky nine shot drill, it's a simple drill that I like players to have for skill, but it can also help you find your best style because I don't really care what style you use. But I need that style to hold up under tournament pressure the way that you would want it to. And it can be whatever you want. So the nice thing with me, if you want to learn wide and shallow, like we can teach that. If you want to learn kind of steep and hitting down on it, we can teach that. And I believe that high level players should have. You got you with me?
0: Yeah, for sure. A hundred percent. Yeah. Are you there, Derek?
1: Oh sorry, I sorry, yeah. I just cut out. yeah, yeah. Um I forget where I was at, but um You're talking about the nine shots and, yeah, and you yeah, like if a great, guy's okay.
0: shallow, if a guy wants to be wide and shallow or a guy wants yeah, to be steep. Yeah.
1: Exactly. So as a great player, I can do all nine and if you said, Hey Derek, you're for some reason you're required to hit, you know, like a wristy fade this whole short you know, this whole eighteen, hey, I can do that. If I need to hit a wide to draw this whole 18, I could do that. So the nice thing there is I don't really have a method or a style, but I know if someone's wide and shallow, I know what their tendencies tend to be, right? Sometimes they struggle with contacts. They're a little bit uh, a little bit too. Uh, they can kind of contact it down a little too soon. So there's some issues there. And if someone wants to be a little bit more risky, we tend to know what their their issues can be.
0: So, so let, let's go through, like, so let's talk about contact.
1: Before, um, flag, for
0: you. Yeah. Can you hear me there, Derek?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's
0: a Yeah, okay. So, let's talk about contact because I think yeah. one of the first things I always talk to with a player of any skill level, but, like, you know, especially developing players. I mean, I actually should say I think even tour players, like, is contact. Right. Like to me, the yes. first thing yes. you got to do is get the low point in the right spot and get contact sure. good before you can talk about anything else. So when somebody yeah. comes to you with not good contact, right, like you watch them and you know, sure. like, you know, you could see like, hey, man, they, you know, they got, you know, they got some good stuff going on, but like, man, they just don't kind of hit it the same way every time. Sure. What are the things that you look at? Or like, are there any tendencies or, you know like commonalities of people that you see that don't always like hit it solid or make good contact all the time
1: yeah sure um a, a common one right, so real common it's kind of somewhat of a trend, and again if if people want to do it, that's fine, but oftentimes with better players we'll just we'll just find they're a little uh, too wide and too shallow, okay. and if you want to be that way, right, there's got to be some certain things in place. And they usually don't have those things in place. They're maybe not good at rotating. They don't use their body well. So for me, like that's kind of my stock shot. I I rotate really well so I can do that. And we can give them options a lot of times for golfers to to use a little bit more hands and use some wrists allows them actually a simpler movement to get better contact because we could go deep into this. But the club's actually doing less work when I get very wide – the whole system of the club moves far away from the ball. And at times it does seem simple. It's simple for club head speed, but it's not always super repeatable for crisp contact. So for a lot of my players, I want them to develop a very good ball first skill, Mm -hmm. but then at times I would also want them to have somewhat of a ground first skill so that they can use those as needed.
0: That's interesting. So, you know, you you mentioned previously you were talking about guys that or girls that uh, weren't great at, were or weren't great at hitting their spot. Okay, yeah. so when I'm developing young players and developing juniors, spend a lot of time doing that. I work a lot on trying to figure out where they need to land the ball. I Cause, love that because I think like mean like I watch a bunch of people go chip and they always look like they're just swinging to hit it at the damn hole. <laughs> you know exactly. and I'm like it's like, sometimes like to me Derek like they make a pretty decent motion but like they just sure. have no clue where the hell they were trying to land it
1: yeah you know? exactly that's yeah that's 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 common I think that's a great point I'll have people come down and they're just like hey I don't know how to practice the reason <laughs> I I like landing spots because it, it for me it tells the whole story and again do whatever works I tell anyone do whatever works but if I pick a landing spot wherever it is, and I hit my spot, my short game has done its job. Now, maybe I pick a bad spot. Maybe uh, it gets a bad bounce. That's, That's my green reading. That's my spot picking. So if I'm, let's say I'm playing golf and I'm two holes in, and I hit my spot twice, but maybe I'm short, maybe five feet short on both chips, Well, now I can tangibly move my spot a little bit further. Mm -hmm. I can potentially loft it down if I wanted to, but I have a tangible way to move that rather than just saying, uh, oh, I just got to hit it harder. It's like, no, you know what? I've hit my spot. Great job. Even though I maybe missed one of those putts I made bogey. No, my short game's on point. Mm -hmm. I know it because I picked that spot and I hit that spot. Now, though, I've got to adjust. Or conversely, let's say you're out there hitting a couple chips. You pick a spot. And you just, you're just you not even close to your spot. And that's usually what I find. When someone comes and sees me, they have no control over where they land the ball. Yes, so yes. we can literally practice that skill away from a green and work solely on that skill. And as I see people do it, you can even set it up uh, at your house. I kind of like buckets. I would just chip into ice cream buckets as a kid. But if you put ice cream buckets 5, 7, 9, and 11 yards and you got good at that, I don't know how your short game doesn't get very good, because uh, at yeah. that distance, I call I call those lag chipping. It's like if I've got to land this ball six steps on the green and and roll it out to the hole, that should be as easy as a lag putt. Like there's there's really not this need for any you know high level finesse. It's a real stock shot, and I need all my players to be really good at hitting their stock shot on their spot very often.
0: You know, and and like I like to take, and I, and this is like I always tell folks these podcasts and shows are as much for me to learn from people that are better at stuff than me, and I and so I'm always picking, I'm picking people's brain like I'm picking yours. Like I like yeah. to take a a good junior or college player, I like to have them take like all three of their wedges and try to hit the same spot with those wedges and see how they run out different, right? Yeah, like love and that. see like because you could make the same motion. Or 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 make the same size motion with three wedges and see where they land and how they roll out because I feel like if you could do that like you've kind of given yourself more tools without like making it crazy complicated.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I, I would agree. So for me, when and I still play in all the PJ events. I love playing golf. Uh, I love playing tournaments. So I make I make my game also. I make my game a priority. Um, so I'm taking time off for events. I'm taking time off in that regard. And students like to see that students like to go play with you. They like to see great mm-hmm. shots. Uh, they like to know that, you know, when I'm teaching kids in, under tournament pressure, it's like, Hey, you need to do this because this is what works. It's not just something I read in a book, <laughs> like it's kind of tournament tested. So, so that's kind of a, a, a big area in itself. Um, I uh, kind of lost track of uh, <laughs> okay. what we're yeah, talking about yeah. here. <laughs> I know. Uh, and, I, no, and unfortunately, no one on my part. But, um, uh, yeah, so every time I have a short game shot, I essentially bring my pitching wedge, my 50, my 55, and my 60. Because for me, I'm always trying to do the least amount of work. Hey, what can I land three steps on, roll it to the hole? That's the way I grew up, right? That's kind of the Dave Pells in me, if mm-hmm. you would. Yeah. And I'm always trying to do less work. Than the next person. I'm always trying to do the least amount of swing, the least amount of work required. uh, That's reasonable. Now, again, if there's like a big ridge or something, hey, I'm going to pretend the green starts past that ridge. I can negate that if needed. But I like having, to your point, different shots that land in different areas and get us, you know, different results.
0: And and I walked with a tour player the other day, you know, not long ago. You know, watching nine holes, and I watched them hit shots that. Turned out to be really good, right? But I felt mm. like they make them harder than they had to be, like yes. a, like a pin that's fifteen <laughs> paces on. There's some grain into you, not a lot between you, and they hit a shot that carried twelve paces and had some spin, right? Yeah. Like that's yeah. way harder than it needs to be.
1: Yeah, exactly. I totally agree, and I would tell everyone, you know, again, do whatever works. But what what kind of goes back to that five, seven, nine, and eleven? You know, you're just going to have different dispersions at those windows. And if I'm landing this five steps, and you're going to land at twelve steps, I feel like I'm going to beat you every time. Mm-hmm. I, I just feel like I'm going to get closer to my target. And assuming I've picked a reasonable spot, again, I I like that idea of I just feel like I'm making it easier. Sure, you can hit a great shot anyway, but why not get in the habit and start to build habits? of the least, you know, the least stressful way if you would.
0: No question about it. Let's talk about bunker. You know, I think that one, you know, that's uh, to me that's one of the biggest gaps between like tour players and just amateurs is like, you know, tour players yes. to me most of the time are glad they're in the bunker. Uh yes. obviously there's some short sighted situations and lies, but for the most part if they got a decent lie in the bunker, not crazy short-sighted man they they're 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 pretty happy uh yeah absolutely take a scratch player who's still a great player at your club put him in the bunker and it's dicey whether they're going to get a putt at par right yeah um yeah what do from your standpoint what do what do the best players do in the bunker that's different than others
1: Say that again, there, if you can, uh, Tony. Yeah.
0: So, what do the best players in the world?
1: There we go. Yeah, yeah.
0: What do the best players in the world do, or you know, tour player level do in the bunker? Because they do. They, they, they're, they're. I mean, they're trying to make most of their, a lot of their yes. bunker shots. Yes. Whereas a, a scratch player at, at your club is, you know, even a scratch player who's a good bunker player is significantly worse to me. That's one of the areas yes. of the game where they're significantly worse uh, out of the bunker. What What do the best players in the world, the tour players, do out of the bunker that the regular golfers or up-and-coming players, college players, don't do?
1: Yeah, so I, I will give – right, I'll give the AMs, and I'll give everyone a little bit of credit, and as you know, in general – the tour sand, and I was fortunate enough, I qualified, and I, I, I got to play in the Shriners uh, PGA Tour event last year. is incredible. That's its own story. But, man, the sand there was the best sand I've ever participated in, it, and it was easier than the, than the bunkers will face in Tucson, right, where it's <laughs> you know, somewhat inconsistent sand. You don't know bunker to bunker. Uh, it can be more of a true hazard than what the pros will face. But a few simple things uh, going into your point is they're very consistent with some amount of, like, how much sand they take, the entry point they make. And really, if you watch a lot of them practice, it's pretty unique. A lot of them will practice with their club, like, sitting in the sand. So they they won't be hovering it. They know that, obviously, they need to hover it when you when you're in the event. But a lot of them will just sit that club right behind it. They kind of train taking even a little bit of sand – and then they start to move kind of towards more, more towards their stock shop
0: no I, I mean I think that just so many of the regular you know they're they're afraid of the sand right yes and and uh you know and yet when I watch good players they're so this is so bad, so bad English, not afraid of the sand, unafraid of the sand, yeah, right? No. And like you said, yeah. they're trying to figure out how much they have to do. They're trying to figure out what type of shot they could play. And then another area, and I think this goes through the whole short game, that tour players are so much better at really looking at the lie and evaluating True. the options that that are in front of them and what they yeah. can do. Yeah. And I think that as you go down a level from tour all the way down that, that ability decreases, I think, each level.
1: Yeah, and a lot of, you know, the amateurs, they, they, and I'm sure you see it. Now, again, I work with a lot of tour players, top players, and I also, at our club at the 49, I work with a lot of, like, you know, 15 to 30 handicaps. Mm-hmm. So I, really, it's, it's, it's ch- more challenging to teach, you know, a, kind of a somewhat of an unskilled 30 handicap to do something repeatedly. You know, you'll see it with your tour guys. I could ask them to do all this wrong information, and they can make it look good. So it's right. like, they're so skilled and they're so able, but most amateurs, you know, they have, when they come to me for bunker help, they kind of got one speed out of bunkers. It's panic speed. It's get me out of here. Yep. I'm swinging this thing violent. Uh, I know it'll probably get out, but at that point I have no control. So I, I really like simple drills. You know, I really like still like line drills. Um, you can even double down on that and just make dollar bills and just practice hitting the dollar bill. And then you can do like one practice dollar bill put a ball into a you know a drawn dollar bill and repeat. I like one repetition to one test so you can train, test, train, test. It's not always about testing because most of the time people see bad results in their tests or in their shots. So I need you to be able to study for that test, train what we need. Again, if you if you get really good at hitting, you know, you just draw a dollar bill in the sand with your finger or an alignment stick or whatever. If you get really good at that, and again, a lot of times people will swing past it, so they're going to hosel it for many reasons. But if you get truly good at hitting that dollar bill with worth of sand, and really the average, you know, twenty to thirty handicap, you need like a, a middle shot and a pretty full shot. You don't need all these different shots. It's like, oh, I need a medium shot or a pretty fullish, you know, a twenty yard shot and a ten yard shot, and that's enough to kind of to kind of get you. Simple stuff like that getting comfortable hitting the sand where you should and again, allowing yourself time to train that uh, in practice.
0: And I think people over, like, I think they think that tour players make it a lot more complicated than that. But I don't know that the best players, Bill Haas is still the best bunker players ever around. And like, he, sure. I remember him sure. telling me, he thought of his swing as either a V, if it wanted to go hmm. short, or the longer yeah. it needed to go was more like a U. Right. And, oh, love that. Right. And I thought, like, man, that's damn simple. Hell, I'll steal that yeah. for this week's clinic. Right. Like, yeah. you know, but yeah. like, I think that, like, and, and obviously there's players that do make things more complicated, but like, I think people think that to get a lot better at things, they got to make it way more complicated. And like you said, you're talking about the dollar bill technique. Like, man, go practice mm-hmm. that and get good at it. Yes. Right. Or get where you can yes. do it 70% of the time you're going to exactly. be better.
1: And it, exactly. So, and I'll see this a lot where, yes, we want you to hit better shots, but you're not just going to hit better shots, especially in the bunker by only hitting shots. I need you, you know, the shot requires the ability to hit sand where you want, kind of come out where you want and bring the center of the club face where you want. Mm-hmm. And you can train that, right? We don't need to hit balls to do that. So I need you to get very good at that skill. Once you get very good at that skill, it should start to then show itself. Uh, in, in your bunker shots in practice, and then you can start doing that on the golf course.
0: Last last question. Pitching the ball. I think it's a lost art, personally. Mm. Mm. A lot of people yeah. will try some crazy shit around the greens and in the bunker. <laughs> um, I still teach a lot of pitching because, like, just the way I was brought Great. up, like, man, like, I think the pitching is, like, a small version for a lot of people of their full swing, especially when you're talking sure. 12, 15 handicappers, but even tour players. Oh, baby. So – what are your thoughts on pitching? I, I focus a lot. I've gotten this from my players um, on 30, 40, 50 yards, learning to hit those yeah. shots and carry them yeah. distances again. What are your thoughts on pitching and secrets to pitching?
1: Yes. So I think if the average person – I think about this a lot because, again, I uh, this is more than a job. This is my passion. I, I love playing. I love teaching. I'm always thinking if the average person – got really good at a 30-yard pitch, right? It teaches mm-hmm. contact, tempo, balance. Right. Uh, you get the finality of a result. If they got really good at that shot, man, their gains in in, in totality would really improve. So that 30-yard range for tour players and, and, and for a lot of players, it's kind of that in-between range of, you know, is it is it my full swing? Is it my short game? And... That, that, that breaking point's different f- for everyone. It's, I would just say it's kind of where whether you want to compress the ball in that situation or, or or somewhat not compress the ball. But from 30 to 50, I, I like teaching people to somewhat have a baseline reference. Uh, when it comes to distance and if we have the ability to laser the pin, uh, if I'm at 50 yards, if you told me, uh, you said, hey, Derek, I need you to hit the ball in, in a tournament flat 55 yards, I don't need to see my target. I don't need to practice it. I have a shot drawn up. I can call it up and I can get very close to hitting that number. So for my high-level players, I want them to have good contact and have a system that they can rely on under pressure, whatever that system is. So Mm -hmm. I I like them to have a club they like, uh, a setup they like, uh, somewhat of a tempo they like, and then some way that they can start to gauge distance because at 50 yards – Right? We're not going to make too many side-to-side errors, yeah, but at correct. 50 yards, like, I don't need you hitting at 65. I don't need you hitting at 35. And a lot of times, our eyes can play tricks on us. How often have you looked at a pin and you're like, oh, I just, I'm going to laser it. And you're like, oh, man, shoot, that's 53. I thought it was like 35. Well, at that point, you know, what are your eyes even telling you? Or what if it's a blind shot at 50 yards? Like, How do you, you know, feel that? Mm-hmm. So for a lot of players, a lot of students, and I know this because it's important to me, I just want you to have simple solutions that really I don't need you to practice a lot. So like I don't practice my 50 yard shot a lot because I just know what it is. It's my feet close, nine o'clock backswing. I I have a tempo I use and I can dial it up pretty often. So that would go for, uh, even, even for, for yourself or for tour players. I like them to know how far all of their bunker yards or how far all their bunker clubs carry. Mm -hmm. So like for me, my 60 degree flies 30. My 55 flies 40, my 50 degree flies 50. So when I've got like a 65 yard bunker shot, it's just a full opened up pitching watch. There's nothing different. There's not a lot of guesswork. So you can start to make these questions that a course will ask you simpler by just having kind of these solutions. But when it comes to the the, the technique of, of chipping and pitching, I would agree with you. It's a somewhat of a, it's not necessarily somewhat of a lost art, but it's, 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 you know, you see people so often on the driving range, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then you say, you know, could you lead me to the chipping green? I don't even know if they could point out where it is.
0: <laughs> no question about it. Derek, this was awesome. First of all, thanks for taking the time. Thanks for all your help with, of course. with folks. Um, appreciate you sitting in. We got to do this again. Hopefully at some point Please. I can get out there at Tucson and hang out and watch you. some. I yes. uh, would really yeah. love to do that, but appreciate you sitting in with me here on the tour coach.
1: Oh, Pro, this has been great. You're the best. I love what you do, and uh, keep up the great work.
0: All right, buddy. We'll talk to you soon, and everybody, uh, make sure you find him, Golf Better Tucson, on Instagram. Lots of good stuff out there. Uh, Derek, we'll talk to you soon, buddy. Thank you.
1: Sounds great, Pro. Thank you so much.
0: I hope you enjoyed this edition of The Tour Coach and this conversation that we brought to you about playing, learning, and teaching the game of golf. We'll be back next week with another edition of The Tour Coach in between now and next week make sure you follow us on our social channels you can always find me at the deuce sweeper on instagram or go to our youtube page where you'll see a scene and a video from my teachings daily on our youtube channel you can find that by looking up tony Ruggiero and the Dew sweepers on youtube Until then, make sure you follow and check out Everything Tour Coach and all our sponsors, Shrickshon Cleveland Golf, Bushnell, Vineyard Vines, and Buick GMC. I'll be back next week to help all of us appreciate, learn, and enjoy the game of golf.